Hello. Welcome to an impromptu live stream. I'm really excited to be doing this. I feel like it's been a while and it just felt like a fun thing to do right now. It's been a beautiful day. It's amazing weather. I had a lot of fun conversations and calls today, so I just have a lot of inspiration and just felt like connecting with this community. So let me know how your day is. Let me know if it's your first time on live. What else? Let me know if you've ever heard um, or wondered about your PCOS root cause. That is the topic of conversation today. I wanna to talk about this idea of finding your root cause with PCOS management. So drop anything in the chat around what that experience has been like for you or what you've heard um, and let me know. Um, and let me know if it's your first time on live. Okay, so while you're doing that, I will just fill you in on some of the conversations that I've had today. Somebody says, yes, I did. Somebody says metaphysical cause. I'm not sure what that means. Born with PCOS, um, potentially. Um, we don't know for sure. Um, we do know, interestingly enough, that being, pre being born prematurely uh, increases the likelihood for PCOS, which is kind of interesting. Um, first time on live, I've been feeling a stabbing pain in my ovaries. Oh, I'm so sorry. Definitely seek medical treatment for that. Um, first time here, adrenal fatigue. Oh, let's talk about that. Has been so bad and the weight won't come off no matter what. First live, welcome. I've always worked out. Now I'm 35. It's awfully difficult to manage. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I just love hearing these responses and just hearing about your lived experiences. Um, it's really, it's just really valuable. Um, of high progesterone, anxiety issues, and fatigue. Yeah. So some of, let me fill you in on some of the conversations I had today that prompted me to want to go live. So I had a really interesting, I've had a couple interesting conversations this week with private clients who were speaking about the way that PCOS impacts their mental health. And I think this is such a big piece of PCOS that we don't talk about enough is the fact that this diagnosis has profound implications on mental health. And this is evidence-based. I mean, this is just a direct correlation in, or not even correlation, this is a direct relationship in the research. Women with PCOS are more likely to experience depression, anxiety, um, bipolar disorder, eating disorders, um, poor body image. So all of this is connected to PCOS. And we think there's a layer to this that has to do with symptom management and the frustration that can come along with that. But then there's also just this biological relationship. Like the, the pathophysiology of PCOS makes people more likely to experience these things. And so I just had some interesting conversations around this idea. And one of my private clients for the first time has decided to measure her progress in our work together with nutrition and lifestyle change by her mental, by her mental health, which I just think is incredible. I mean, because really that's the most important thing when it comes to health, right? Is the way that we're perceiving our lives and the way that we're showing up for ourselves and our experience just in our lives every single day. So I just thought this was such an interesting thing because often we hear about PCOS management and ways of measuring progress that are, you know, very obvious, like weight loss or cycle regulation or acne clearing up or you know, hair growing again, like things that are really, really obvious. And there are so many of these symptoms that are just completely invisible that can be really, really debilitating. 
Um, I, I was having another conversation this morning with a, with a, a different private client where we were speaking about a, the, a very similar thing. We we're speaking about anxiety and how that can show up and interfere with, with the PCOS management because you're you know living living too much in in your head and and it's hard to get around that <coughs> somebody just said mental health has suffered immensely body image yes you feel so worthless because you can't move the scale and you feel judged by others but you know how hard you're trying thank you for sharing that because that's exactly that's exactly uh, that's a you hit the nail on the head i feel like i've been saying that expression a lot but that's exactly what it is is it's you know you already have this biological predisposition to experience these mental health issues. And then on top of that, you're feeling frustrated. You're feeling like you're hitting walls. You're feeling like you're, you're being judged. And then it all gets worse and worse. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just reading, I'm scrolling up through some of the comments. Yeah, somebody said 100% taking birth control pills will make us gain weight. Okay, all right. So. I've just had some interesting conversations about mental health and PCOS. And I think that, sorry, I got, I got caught up in the comments. I think that the biggest thing with mental health and um, PCOS is that there are a lot of myths that get propagated on social media or in other places that are completely not true that make that that basically make people feel more confused. Let me know if you agree with this. So there are a lot of myths that are circulating where you kind of get down a rabbit hole and then you feel like there's some information that you must be missing and it gets to be so much that you just feel like you might as well not, you know, not do anything. It's it's paralyzing. And I hear this from so many women. Um yeah, all of our doc all our doctors tell us to do is to take birth control and come back when you want to get pregnant. It's so frustrating because there's no help. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the biggest thing with, with this is that this is a condition that affects reproductive health. Absolutely. Duh. But it's also a condition that affects metabolic health, emotional health, mental health, all of it. It's, per, it's, it's pervasive. And so it's not the type of thing that we want to just accept the status quo. I mean, we want to strive for optimal symptom management. We want people, to, we should want people to feel as good as they possibly can. We should want them to be able to be fulfilled in their lives and show up as their best possible selves. But unfortunately, what happens a lot in the medical system, and this isn't even the fault of the doctors, honestly, it's not. They're just given so little time. But what happens is it becomes so surface level because we don't have the time and the space to go deeper and we're managing health, especially in the US, we're managing health from a very um, symptoms-based approach versus a proactive approach where we're trying to prevent, prevent the worst possible outcomes. So I wanted to talk about a couple of these myths because I've gotten a few DMs about this recently where a woman, a woman will reach out to me and say like, hey, I had these labs done at my doctor's office or I had this hormone test done or I had these labs done at my naturopath or whatever and I'm trying to figure out what my root cause is and so there's just this big kind of obsession about getting to the root cause and this makes a lot of sense 
it makes sense from a mental perspective as human beings, right? Because we're problem solvers. We want, we say, okay, there's a problem. Let me figure out what's causing it so that I can then take action and, and get answers. The problem with that logic though, is that like many things in, in medicine and like many things having to do with the body, there's a science to it, but there's also an art and there's also a natural respect that has to be had for the fact that we can't know we can't know everything and and a lot of the time medical and natural management in general is very it's very subjective and so finding the root cause is not a real thing i'm just gonna say it it's not a real thing um like somebody on this call even mentioned adrenal fatigue adrenal fatigue is not a real thing so there are some ideas that have been propagated and what happens is we end up going down a rabbit hole and accumulating a long list of things that are wrong with us when we could be spending our energy on actually feeling better. And that is the problem that I have with it. I don't have a problem with the fact that different practitioners have different philosophies because there's someone for everyone, right? Like that's what makes the world go round. But what I do have a problem with is the fact that this can feel very overwhelming and it can feel like if you don't have this information, you have no hope, which is not true. We do not know what causes PCOS. We do not know what causes PCOS. We do not know what causes PCOS. So if you spend a lot of time on a journey to find your unique root cause, it is a fruitless journey. And if you do get a root cause, it is not real. It is not accurate. It is given to you by somebody who, who wants to profit, okay? So, and, and, I, and, and this is just the truth. If you're a person who's been given a root cause, let me know, did that root cause come without a price tag? It probably came with a fairly hefty price tag because you had to have unnecessary lab work done, potentially unnecessary hormone testing done, potentially taking unnecessary supplements, all for this, you know, magical root cause that isn't based in reality. You don't need a root cause to take action and feel better. I want to give you an example of this just so that it really sticks home. When someone is diagnosed with diabetes, let me know if you have diabetes. When somebody is diagnosed, I'm, oh man, I missed a lot of comments. When somebody is diagnosed with diabetes, the conversation is not, let's sit around and figure out what caused your diabetes. I mean, what would be the point, right? Like, let's sit around and figure out what caused this autoimmune condition in the case of type 1 diabetes <coughs> so that we can formulate a treatment plan. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with celiac disease, which is something I, I live with, right? I didn't get a celiac diagnosis and then have an extensive conversation about what caused it because it would literally be impossible to figure it out. I want to give you an analogy here. If you're thinking about, like, let's pretend, let's pretend <laughs> that you're a mechanic, 
right? Let's pretend I'm a mechanic. And you're working on cars. If something is wrong with the car, there is going to be a set of steps that that mechanic is going to perform to rule out reasons that something is wrong with that car. It's very linear and it's very systematic because it's a man-built machine. So we know every single thing that goes into building that car because we freaking built it. With the human body, it is not a machine. Everybody has a different body. So PCOS is, you know, to say that there are four unique types of PCOS is such an oversimplification and it doesn't acknowledge the fact that we all have our own unique ecosystems. We all have our own unique uh, distribution of, of different um, bacteria that are in our gut. We all have our unique family histories. We all have our unique lifestyles and diets. We got different ecosystems going on. So to spend time figuring out why something is happening that doesn't have a known cause is very, very, is, is very fruitless. You don't need to know what caused it to know that you have the ability to change it. This is why I love, somebody said 100% right. This is why I love the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle. Because not only is it evidence-based and the most anti-inflammatory way of living for women with PCOS, it's the most anti-inflammatory way of living and being for every health condition under the sun and every human being on the planet. So it becomes a no-brainer that if you want to plug into natural management, and when I say natural management, I mean actual natural management, like food and lifestyle not supplements, not hormone tests, not any of that, like actual natural management, you can plug into that immediately without spending a lot of unnecessary mental energy on what, you know, what is my BS, you know, root, root cause type of thing. So that's what I wanted to come on here and say, because I just think that for so many women, PCOS, is so over complicated and it just doesn't need to be and and we all have the ability to to make a significant impact to our health with very minor dietary changes like you don't got to cut out food groups you don't have to do a complete what would it be 180 on your diet and, and be a completely different person tomorrow small methodical concise changes over time, wins every single time. I'm going to scroll up and read some comments. I think there were a couple. Hello. How did you get diagnosed with celiac disease and do a lot of women with PCOS have celiac? Great question. So I was diagnosed with celiac when I was 18 and I'm 33 now. So it's been a little bit of time. The reason that I was diagnosed so quickly, usually celiacs, people with celiac will go a long time before being diagnosed. I was diagnosed really quickly because I had a first degree family relative, my mom. So when you have a first degree family relative, your risk of having celiac disease is around 20%. So I had an increased risk. And what happened for me is I started um, showing with iron deficiency anemia um, as a result of my malabsorption and celiac disease. 
and I started eating a lot of food, like I'm talking like three, 4,000 calories a day and losing a lot of weight. So that was my diagnosis story. The, how they diagnosed me is this. Um, at the time, there was a lab test you could do, but it wasn't very specific or sensitive, so it wasn't very accurate. But so they also did an endoscopy and biopsied my small intestines to, to test for celiac disease. Nowadays, the lab test is a bit more accurate, but um, the endoscopy is still gonna be considered the gold standard. We also have a genetic test for celiac disease, although the genetic test, if you have the marker, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna um, exhibit symptoms of celiac disease or have celiac disease. So it's kind of interesting. <coughs> and as far as celiac and PCOS, to be honest, I don't know the exact um, percentage of how many women with PCOS have celiac disease. Um, I, I really don't. I'd have to look that up. But there is some connection there because PCOS, some people um, argue and, and believe, and I kind of believe this too, that PCOS is somewhat of an autoimmune condition. And so with autoimmune conditions, there can be multiple autoimmune conditions occurring, occurring simultaneously. And so it would make sense that there could be an increased likelihood of celiac disease in women with PCOS. But you, should, you do not need to follow a gluten-free diet unless you have celiac disease. And I honestly think that a lot of people that have been diagnosed or self-diagnosed, them, you know, diagnosed themselves with gluten sensitivity or intolerance, there's a much greater story there. It's very hard to identify that you have a gluten sensitivity or an allergy on your own because a lot of gluten-containing products have other ingredients in them. So, you know, you could have a fructose sensitivity or a wheat allergy or lactose intolerance or maybe you just don't feel good when you eat refined flour and sugar like most people. Right, And so I think a lot of the time we, we take on these labels of gluten sensitivity, gluten allergy, and it, it's probably not the whole truth. The other piece to this is like, if you take on a gluten-free diet as a woman with PCOS and you don't have celiac disease and you don't need to be doing this, it is a harder diet to um, optimize nutritionally. It just is because so many gluten-free products are lower, um, in th uh, lower on things like protein and fiber and folate and B12 and other, and other nutrients. So by going gluten-free, you're making it harder on yourself <laughs> to get the things that you need to manage PCOS um, naturally. All gluten is, if you don't know, is all it is is it's a protein found in wheat that gives it elasticity. That's literally all it is. And actually having a wheat allergy is extremely rare. Having an oats allergy is extremely rare. Having a lot of, ha having many of these allergies is pretty, is pretty rare. So if you're struggling with like GI symptoms and bloat and things like that, don't jump to gluten allergy. Actually explore that in a methodical evidence-based way so that you're not putting yourself at risk unnecessarily. In the evidence, we see that people that follow gluten-free diets, because this has been a trend for some time now, people that follow gluten-free diets are more likely to suffer cardiovascular events in the future, 
they're more likely to be overweight <coughs> and they're they're more they're more likely to um, die an earlier death. So this is why I talk about it all the time, not because I find it annoying, although I do, but because there are very significant lifelong implications to following an eating pattern where you're removing a food group unnecessarily. Cool. So if you like conversations like this and you feel like we're vibing and like, you know, we may be friends down the line, you should come into the Full Life Society. The Full Life Society is my membership program. And this is the space where you do natural PCOS management in real time with me and with everybody in the group. Right now we're in the middle of, well, we just started. Uh, we're in the Mediterranean challenge. So we're actually implementing the Mediterranean eating pattern in real time together and changing our lives together. And it's really beautiful. I'm loving seeing the photos that members are posting of the changes that they're making. This is a really fun community. I also want to say one more thing about the community. I have a private podcast that is a members only podcast. And this is a really exciting podcast because I literally am speaking to the, to the members every single week. And it really feels like it's almost like a one-on-one -on -one or private coaching session in every podcast episode. These are insanely valuable episodes. When you join the membership, you get to jump into all of the archived episodes that we have. And right now we have around 20. So that's already like 10 hours of content right there. Um, so that's just a really cool benefit to being in the membership. We also do, I create personally the meal plans for the membership that are released every single month, fresh recipes, fresh ideas every single month, seasonality is taken into consideration because that's important. We do Q and A's every single month. And right now during the Mediterranean challenge, there are four or five bonus live trainings scheduled this month. So if you want to optimize your diet and lifestyle for PCOS management, this should be like a no-brainer. I'm just going to say it. Somebody asked how much is it? It's only $99 a month for all of this. So this is a really nice option to jump in and start implementing and start seeing results in a really fun and supportive space. And you get to learn a lot while you're doing it. I'm just scrolling up, seeing if I missed anything. Does anyone have any questions about the membership or anything we spoke about today while we're on this live stream? I have a minute to answer maybe a couple of things if anything is coming up. Somebody asked what my favorite color is. I would say red. <laughs> I've always loved red. It's a color of passion. I'm very passionate. Cool. Well, if nothing else is on your minds, we will go ahead and wrap it here. Um, I hope this conversation gave you just something to think about. And um, somebody said, can you briefly explain the Mediterranean diet? Absolutely. Before I do that, I want to let you know, I have a free Mediterranean masterclass right now. That is, what day is today? The 8th? That is now part of the membership program. So if you missed the Mediterranean masterclass, you can, it's an hour long where I'm explaining the Mediterranean diet in detail. You can watch that in the membership and have audio access to it on, in the podcast as well. 
The Mediterranean diet, briefly, is a plant-forward style of eating. It's very inclusive, so even though we prioritize plants, you still get to eat animal proteins, you know, when it feels good. It uh, is a diet that heavily prioritizes fiber, antioxidants and phytochemicals, and healthy fat. The primary foods included in this diet are whole grains, beans, nuts and seeds, herbs and spices, um, vegetables, fruits, olive oil, and other healthy fats, um, fish and seafood, and other lean proteins, and red wine if you want it, which is fun. So it's a really beautiful way of eating. Um, I'll say one more thing about it, which is that it is not about Mediterranean food. So if you're gonna go, like I get this question a lot where people are like, what's your favorite Mediterranean cookbook? And I'm like, well, I can tell you, but it doesn't really matter because this diet isn't about just eating Mediterranean food. It's about getting really specific with including all of these different foods in the appropriate quantities so that it creates a macronutrient distribution that supports metabolic health and natural PCOS management. And it's the bomb, it's just so good. And I do this diet personally. And so I do it with you guys and you get to see like the recipes that I use and like how easy it is and how seamless it is. Like I share those things sometimes to my stories and my feed. You're so welcome. Thank you for being here. All right. <coughs> well, I am gonna go ahead and trash flying everywhere <laughs> and hop off. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate this community. If you enjoyed this live stream, tag a friend below. I would appreciate that. And I will see you all very soon. Bye.